Now say now, you're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in Portland, Oregon, per usual, Momentum Studios, myself, Spencer Shea. Explosive West Coast. <laughs> West Coast. <laughs> That's a hit right there. That's a hit oh, right yeah. there. How you feeling, man? I feel pretty good. It's nice out in Portland. It is. It is. We had an 85-degree day, man. 85-degree day. I mean, that's not ideal for me, but, you know, at least stuff is drying up. I had a I had a, I had yeah. myself a weekend. All you right, did. let me tell you that. Yeah, yeah. Had a little bit of a flooding situation, but that's Oregon just weather in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah, so, for sure. What so are you do? sorry to hear about that. Yeah, it's all good, that's man. That's tough. That's <laughs> tough. Sorry to hear about that. Hey, man, it's all good, man. Stuff's yeah. drying out as we speak. No, definitely, man. I definitely had to deal with it um, in a different way. Definitely not nearly yeah, as you were bad standing as out in it a flood, but yeah, I had a, I had two outdoor gigs on mm. Sunday the 18th and then Monday Juneteenth. I had a couple outdoor gigs, and yeah, I definitely had to um, deal with rain. Actually, one of the gigs I ended up just leaving because I wasn't going to fight against the rain. The other that's, gig, that's I was choice. a little more covered, and the worst part of the rain has certainly passed by. Yeah. Um, but we had, like, We're legit there, hailing on Sunday. Like, mm. it, yeah, in June, which, hey, I guess it's not as bad as last year, where last year it was, like, the wettest month of June in, like, over 70 years. Um, but it's been an okay June, I would say overall, because we've been we've been gigging outdoors a lot, and for the most yeah. part, it's actually uh, it's been, been pretty good. Chill. But we had a real bad day on Sunday. Yeah, we, we did. Yeah, we had a bad day on Sunday, and you kind of got the shit into that. <laughs> <laughs> a flood situation is a little bit worse than me getting out of the rain before my equipment got messed up, because then I would have had a shit. Hey, into dude, it my, my well. st- I, I do. First thing I saved was my guitar and my amp. <laughs> That's all good. So we're cool, man. Just some clothes and pictures and stuff, and that's basically Yeah, yeah, it. yeah. But the equipment, got to save it. I picked that shit up immediately. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know what's so funny, bro? This yeah. one time, I remember this one time, and I feel bad about it now, but I was with a, 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 f- a lady friend of mine, right. and we had a fire start directly behind my house. And when like the call in the house was fire, I get up grab my guitar and just bolt out the room. And then my friend, this woman I was with was like, yo, dude, what the heck? You just going to leave me back here? I was like, listen, I didn't even think. I just thought about that guitar, man. I, <laughs> I, I would have put that thing outside nice in its case and came back and ran it and got you, baby. But I had to get that guitar first. Yeah, 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 yeah. You got it, man. You got it. Well, wind shares to kick things off. And Spencer, I'll let you chime in with me a bit on one of the wind shares in particular that is kind of mutual for the both of us. Mm. Um, starting off, Lulu Fridays, I will be there. Big time Neo Soul, big time R&B. And, you know, I, I'm fortunate enough to have a lot of good gigs. And I can speak to, I probably won't right now, this second, this moment, but I can speak to why each gig that I have is so great and sort of like tailored to me, which is the way that I prefer it to be because having to just take on any old gig sometimes isn't the greatest experience yeah. as a as a DJ. So the fact that I'm able to have consistent gigs that are sort of, ta- sort of tailored to me and who I am in a lot of ways, not in every way, but in a lot of ways um you know lulu's in particular is one where my favorite genre genre of music is neo soul and r&b so the fact that i get to have a night each week where i can like have majority of my set list be that is in a way therapeutic for me as a dj and i obviously try to make it to where it's therapeutic 
for those that show up to get that vibe because clearly that's the vibe you're showing up to get because that's the bright that's the vibe that we provide every week there so um you know it, it's super dope that i get to just find all of these creative ways to mix old soul music with new soul music and r&b and yeah, I mean, all of those things and, and just one night a week i get to do right. that like Beyond it being business for me, it's also therapeutic for me, which makes it almost like feel like it ain't work until I get home at three o'clock in the morning and I wake up Saturday morning realizing like, oh, my day started a little bit later than I probably would have wanted it to. And that's because I had to be out quite late (laughs) on Friday night. Well, I was saying like with R&B, I feel like you have to have that bag. Yes. As a modern DJ today, it's like a staple. For sure. You know what I'm saying? Because music is so central. A lot of the best musicians are weaving in and out of all these, you know, uh, collaborations with like the best R&B singers in the game. So yeah. you really have to be up on that R&B. It's good to flex that muscle once a week. Yeah, no, it definitely is. It's good to flex that muscle. And I think you made a great point as far as like the the mashing, if you will, of music and the the, the coming, the, the genre blending yeah. of music, if you will. And I feel like R&B as a genre was actually more so on the back end of that. But I also think that a lot of the genre blending that came out, came to be, happened because of R&B on the front end of that. So I feel like R&B was one of those genres of music that tried to stick to its soulful origins. It tried to stick to its musical origins in a lot of ways where a lot of other genres of music started to blend almost in a way to be able to compete with the soulfulness of R&B. And so now you have R&B that sort of tried to stick to its origins and its traditions more so. Then you have this neo-soul era that comes about and in a lot of ways sort of flirted with that, but still was able to stay far more soulful than it was able to like go all the way into the sort of genre blending because they were just that talented, that good, and the genre just sort of evolved in that way. And you can correct me if you think I'm wrong. I'm just speaking from my own experience in, in, in the seat that I stand in. But like other genres, country, hip hop, pop, top 40, they all kind of explored that genre blending thing a, well, yeah, a I mean, bit try, more because i think they had to uh, to try to capitalize off of the successes of that music for sure for you know sure and so. like i said i think the biggest influence to that music is actually r&b like to me i would say that the biggest influence for genre bending is r&b but i think r&b was sort of later to the game and just fully immersing itself into genre blending because it wanted to stick to the musical and the soulful origins that it had. And so now you have a lot of people like people call the nineties, the golden era of R and B. And they say the nineties is the golden era of a lot of things to be fair. But like, you also have a lot of people that really, really are like all the way in on like nineties, R and B, eighties, R and B, so on and so forth. And they struggle to get with the newer R and B that that's out today, which I think is super dope because it's so much dope fire new R and B that's out there today. But I think it's an attachment issue more than it is not actually liking the new R and B music that's out today because it is more, explorative in my opinion if explorative is even a word but you r&b r&b i think is exploring more now with other genres in a way that 
I, it I maybe mean, look, didn't get it, credit for from the if beginning. If you if you if you show like a diehard '90s R&B fan, if you just go, okay, you like that? Here's Steve Lacey. They're gonna be yeah. like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> like that's a huge. But but jump. but you have to be the one to show them that. That's the thing. They're not really exploring or willing to explore that to see. Steve Lacey and who Steve Lacey is, is and is he really that dope? Because they're so attached to 90s R&B. I, I, I mean, and I get that from just going out DJing, obviously doing R&B night, and I obviously talk to people about the fact that I do an R&B night each week, and you sort of get that. You get the people that show up and enjoy the sonic experience that I give them because I'm almost introducing this vibe to them because they were so attached to R&B well, I mean, to and be Neo fair, Soul being a particular but to way. to be fair, that it's, I think especially, I mean, at least from my experience of just being out here, I don't know what it is in other places because I don't, you know, when I'm out of the places, I don't go out like that. For but sure. in Portland, I feel like the, the Neo Soul DJ has become super passe where I, you know, if I'm in a place and, oh, it's Neo Soul night or it's R&B night. Yeah. I'm hearing the same... 40 something songs that you hear mm. in every bar and it's like it's just it's but so that's, limited but that's, and but, I don't I just don't appreciate it but I, but and I, I think, think a lot, and I think the audience I, doesn't I, like that either I don't think that that's particularly just Portland though and I also believe that yes that speaks more so to what I'm saying is because most DJs are afraid to take the risk yeah. of weaving in the new R&B with the classic R&B that they know these people are attached to and that they know is going to work. So, well, so, and, and I'm speaking more so to a general sense, there's people like you, but you're a musician. So you're very specialized in a way. And you obviously have been around and your world is people that are like very deeply immersed in music that a way in a way that maybe the common fan of music just isn't. So I think for your world, it could be jaded in a way. And I think even in my world, it could be jaded in a way because of what we choose to be around and what we have committed in a lot of ways, our life's work too. Right. Well, I mean, also like you have to be, the person that and it's not just breaking a record you know what i mean like yeah. you have to bridge the gap for sure you have to follow the music follow sure. the samples follow the evolution yes of that. i agree and and that requires somebody who's going to commit to because you yeah. know how it is dude it's it's really difficult what people don't it's really difficult when you're sitting there and you're like say you're even in a group you're like man i've dropped like five or six good records in a row that people are feeling and then you have that moment where you're like should i take a risk here should yeah, I try to hit yep. this record that For like sure. I like a yeah. lot that I feel has a connection or whatever. And it's and it's it's disheartening when you play that record and it flops. Yeah. And I've like, had that Damn. before. You're like, I've had Damn. that before, but I also think in my case in particular, like I love DJing, I enjoy DJing, and it's become uh, I mean, it's become an absolutely income earner for me. But my heart is more so like into this, what we're doing right now. My heart is more so into like broadcasting, journalism. Right. It's my day job beyond just to be in my heart. It's my day job. So I kind of come into the DJing space. Well, more relaxed. More relaxed sure. with not nearly as much ego and somebody that's willing to take the risk because it's the only way I'm going to find out if right. this is going to work or not going to work. Yeah. And I don't feel like my life 
depends on that risk in a way that a lot of other DJs do I mean, because DJing their is their first thing. It's their primary income. source of income. Yep. It's the primary thing that they do. So it's like, for me, I'm just a journalist, dude, that likes to DJ and that likes to listen to good music. I come up around a pretty musical and eclectic background, a lot of family. Yeah, it ain't a no thing for you, you know to break what a mean? record. You're I trying grew to break up, a story. Uh, yeah, I grew up in <laughs> church where it was like, I'm, I, I lean into, I think one of my biggest superpowers when it comes to DJ isn't nearly as technical as it is my ear so sure so with that it's like i like to bring my ear into a space and majority of the time it works and i clearly that's the case because the gigs keep rolling in you know what i'm saying but it's like i like to bring my ear to a space and i really believe in and lean into my ear as my superpower which is why I never come in with a preset list. I always show up. Right. I open up the Serato. I, I pick a record. I press play, and I go from there. I never come in with, you know, obviously, yeah, over time, I've learned records that work and records that don't work. I've found some dope mixes through practicing and things like that. But I never come in and say, I'm going to play this set like this tonight. Every week, I'm trying to evolve. I'm trying to add new records to the catalog. I'm trying to listen to new records and more music. And when it's time to rock, wherever my ear leads me is where I'm going to go. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. So so I, I do think that it's interesting, man, because while I do think a lot of genre blending derives from soul and, and R&B origins, I think the, the genre itself of R&B has taken a, taken a longer time to transition, which is why I say my favorite genre of music is R&B and neo-soul. I also really, really love and grew up on hip-hop. I don't think hip-hop music, sonically, is better than R&B music and soul music, which is why R&B and soul music is my personal favorite genre of music. But I think one of the reasons that hip-hop in more recent times has had more successes selling than R&B music has is because hip-hop has been more willing to take risks, blend with other genres, you know, credit people like Lil Wayne for that and, and others, but he's a pioneer for that and been willing to grow and, and, and immerse itself into other fan bases that has just made it a bit better for the business of hip-hop. But I don't think hip-hop music is better than R&B music because it's just not nearly as soulful to me. But R&B, I think, has definitely taken a longer time, unless you're like very niche or eclectic in a particular way, to generally immerse itself into other genres of music because it almost is one of those things where like you're too good to even associate yourself with that. And I'm speaking to like the music itself, like R&B music is too good to associate itself with that, but music is forever evolving. So I think you're, you're kind of cheating yourself if you have that mentality, but some people again, think nineties R&B is just too good for me. To, I'm so nineties R&B is so good. Why would I even give 2020s R&B a chance is an approach. A lot of people take and, and it sucks to me, but I see it uh, in that, here that's very project, often. That's projection is something weird. I don't know what that is. Yeah, All it, I know is, it, that, but it's a thing, bro. Uh, yeah. It is definitely yeah, you know, a thing. You know, and, and, and again, obviously generational barrier, or one thing but and you hear these same conversation it's in hip-hop when it comes to like lyricism and mumble rap and things like well you'll have that group of people that exist that subset group of people that exists but i think the successes of hip-hop speaks a little differently well, than i like think that the successes Ken, like of r&b has we've had to deal with like 
people saying R and B is dead. We ain't yeah, really had to deal with that. With well, hip-hop. I mean, it's like like that Kendrick line. You know, he's like, people say they wish when dudes were rapping. If that was the case, and Killer Mike would went platinum. Yeah, you know, exactly, it's, exactly. It's, it's that, but it's not that for R and B in particular. It's sure. more so that for hip hop, which is why I, I agree that's kind of cap. <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? For sure. So, but but for R and B, like. R&B has really, really struggled. R&B artists have really, really struggled in a different kind of a way when it comes to being able to sell the actual music because it's about a little bit more than that. But to them, that's cheating the genre because of the genre's roots, in my opinion. That's just my stance on it. Um, call, but I, in, call in now. Why yeah, don't yeah, for sure. I, I don't mind. I mean, it's not too much to talk about, but we do got some stuff that we got to get to here today. But we still got more wind shares. That's that's uh, Friday. Saturday, I actually don't have a wind share for you because I'll be DJing a wedding. You're not invited. Um, <laughs> Sunday, we will be at Bible Club, right. 3 p.m., low-key golf party. I want you to actually elaborate a little more on that because yeah, you're so, collabing in this event as well. So, yeah, so LTD uh, brand is going to be hosting the low-key golf uh, sort of brand launch party, if you will, and Play for Par is going to be there. I'll be representing Play for Par, obviously. So it's going to be cool. You come out, go to Bible Club. Devon, you're going to be DJing, DJ Pounce. Yes, sir. All the cuts you ever heard, plus all the cuts you never heard. That's right. That's my tagline, baby. And that speaks to what I was just talking yeah, about yeah, with yeah. R&B. So, I like to play the old R&B, but I also like to play the new shit as well. Because I'm going to play all the cuts that you ever heard, but I'm going to also play some yeah, of the cuts yeah. you never heard See, as well. See, that's it, bro. Put that in the bio, <laughs> it's a okay? bar, baby. All right, so, and then we're going to have a bunch of, like, golf games. You know what I'm saying? Those, like, stick golf games they have the pads it's gonna be nice man come out play games it's it's part of it's really a we're folding it into pounce's playground so we're still gonna have the games and the music and it's the backyard vibes but we got you know the low-key golf brand launching there's gonna be a lot of swag to be able to purchase and support those brands you know i'm saying i'm gonna put out a bunch of my first run t-shirts as like prizes for some of these mini games we might try to do little tournaments and stuff like that so it's gonna be a lot of fun come out and support that's on sunday the 25th Sunday the 25th. Sunday the 25th. So that's what we got for the weekend. Also, go ahead and check me out every Tuesday morning. I'm on Rip City Radio on Rip City Mornings with my guy, Justin Myers. Um, I join him. I'm the basketball analyst for the Rip City Morning Show, ladies and gentlemen. Give a hand clap for that. Say that. (laughs) I'm the basketball analyst, so I come on every week, Tuesday morning at 8.20 a.m. That's king. I'm the analyst. I'm not the the self-proclaimed analyst either. The show calls me the analyst. The guy that hosted Justin, I'm the basketball analyst for the show. It's not like it's not what I do. (laughs) You know what I'm I'm saying? Like doing what I do. It's not like it's (laughs) not what I do. Just doing what I do. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So definitely go and check that out. I also was on TRT World this past week. Um, That was a good hit, man. Yeah, appreciate that. Appreciate that. I noticed that that since I've watched you on TRT, that because it's such a short little hit. That this last one, you were like, it felt like you were conscious of being like, I need, I have a lot I got to cram in here. For sure. So I'm just going to blay all this information out. And I thought you did it in a pretty concise way. So appreciate I was, that, I was man. I appreciate that. that. Yeah, for I mean, sure. Because he hits you with like two or three little questions. You get your spot and then you're out of there. And I'm going, yeah. And yeah. so you got to get a lot in. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> you got you to gotta squeeze it in. You got to make it as substantial as possible. You don't have as much time to give context so you got to kind of got to be a straight shooter sure because like you said those those segments certainly 
are not the longest. But yeah, I joined because there was a report that came out um, last week from the Department of Justice. They did basically like a two-year investigation on the Minneapolis Police Department. The investigation started in 2021, which obviously was the year after George Floyd was murdered by Minneapolis police. And uh, I mean, just quite frankly, it was not a good thing. Um, that uh, It was not good findings that came from the report. Um, many systemic failings ranging from racial discrimination, excessive and unlawful use of force, force, excuse me, First Amendment violations, lack of accountability for officers, lack of reporting by officers. It was a pretty significant report that that came out. And so um, that obviously is being pretty directly connected to why it is that we even had the George Floyd situation because of the practices that were taking place in the Minneapolis police department um was one that just didn't get nearly as investigated as deeply until things got so bad such as the george floyd george floyd incident where we saw him have a knee to his neck for nine minutes and it was just you know that blatant the treatment of george floyd was so blatant we all saw it on camera and we all reacted and in a in a way that I don't think this country has ever reacted to before uh, to something like that. So, um, you know, I just went on and spoke about some of the findings, um, some of my thoughts, you know, some of the ways that we could try to make better, knowing that we have things like this that are coming about. Um, and so just go. You can go to my Instagram page yeah. if you want to check that out. Um, well, and I spoke I mean, a bit on that. All the while, Ted Wheeler is on his, you know, going ten toes down on his open drug use ban yeah that you know and so you can just see how i mean it doesn't take a rocket scientist to be like well it's not just open up for any more of this impropriety well yeah, yeah. it definitely does for sure so for sure. people are you know paying close attention to that and so so will we yeah absolutely absolutely so go ahead and check that out um we are recording and it is nba draft day you check the time we could time check here it is 4 25 p.m Pacific Standard Pacific Time. Pacific Standard Time. And on let the me West see, Coast. Uh, what time does the draft start here today? It starts at 4.30 p.m. Oh, Jesus, dude. Pacific I got so much anxiety Standard right time. now. Cutty. So it starts in five minutes. So yeah. we're going to talk about what's, what's going on today. so far <laughs> and, I, and then what may happen today. That's, 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 what may or may let, not happen. Let's, let's start with the Bradley Beal trade real quick. Yes, Humongo trade. They hauled in like every. I call it splashy. Sure. I mean, and, and also a major haul for Washington in, in the pick department. I mean, yes. they, they, everyone's criticizing them for not getting any first rounders off, but they have like every second rounder until like 2031. <laughs> yeah, for so, sure. For sure. Absolutely. I and, don't think. And they obviously made a significant move today that we'll get to here shortly as well, but you don't think what? I don't think that that automatically puts Phoenix, especially with some of the things going on. I don't think that automatically makes them favorites by any means. I don't think anybody believes that. But even like, I guess, second best team in the league. But it's just, I don't know. The West just feels so schizophrenic and like open that it's like you'd see a team like Denver and how stable they are. And you're like, do all these crazy trades you want, guys. Like, I have a theory, too. I, I got a theory. I got a theory. And it's it's kind of, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I don't think that 
I don't, I'm I'm past the super team era, and I think that's what you basically get. That would define what a super team is. I think when you consider those big three, and then somebody with the talent level of a DeAndre Ayton. To me, that's sure. like super team status. A, a um, big, a big. Uh, it's a big three plus. It's a big three plus. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's yeah. like it's not just a big three. Like DeAndre Ayton is the plus there. <laughs> he might not be the super team, which is usually like four, but it's definitely. A a big three plus. I think that's a very accurate way of putting that. Um, but with that being said, to me, the game has evolved so much that like with the rules being tailored to offense, mm. with the evolution of these young players, how quickly they're coming in and impacting the league, um, how how offensively talented the league is today. Um, you you obviously, and I'm one who is not a big analytics guy, but you 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 think about what the the analytics tell you today that everything is about layups and three pointers. I mean, layups are the highest percentage shot and three pointers are the shots that are worth the most points. So when you can when you kind of combine that analytics tells you that layups and threes are the way to go and we're seeing the game go in that direction, we're seeing the game become positionless where everybody can make layups and everybody can shoot threes and everything in between is sort of getting lost in the fold here. Um I am not as high on saying Oh, they're the automatic favorites to win a championship. And I'm speaking to that of the Phoenix, Phoenix Suns with Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, and okay. DeAndre Ayton. I, I'm more of a fan of having a more complete basketball team because you're going to find guys that can score. I mean, even if it's in like one-off situations, like even, you know, if it's a situation where a guy might not average 25 a game, but He's so good that on a given night, he runs the risk of giving you 25 in a game. 25 and 12. That's not really what the older NBA was. You know what I'm saying? Like, the older NBA was there's a lot less guys that can give you 25 a game on a given night, but they may really specialize in something else that – you can use as a piece to tr- to try and create a great team. Today, you got a guy like Lonnie Walker who can explode in the fourth quarter because he's actually like that. You know what I'm saying? It's just that he's got, he's got to fall in line. He's got LeBron on his team. He's got Anthony Davis on his team. He's got Austin Reed. Like, you know what I mean? He's just got to fall in line. But when it's needed, he can give it to you. And, and you have a lot more of those instances, I feel like, in today's NBA. Um but with all of that said, I, I ultimately do believe that um, the super team era is just kind of over with, and that's not what makes you an well, automatic it's because, contender. It's I because think, the stars aren't as super as they used to be. <laughs> I mean, that's what I see. Like, it, I, it, I feel like if you're going to look back, it's, it won't take very long to look back and be like, well, it's just all the old guys getting together to try to beat the young dudes who are cropping up like weeds all over the yeah. league. Well, I, yeah, I guess that's not a bad thing. I guess that could be taken negatively because I think the players are better, but the stars aren't as super. I can agree right. with. But I, mean, I, I think the that, reason like, the I stars- just mean that the guys that are have been the top dudes in the league for decade, almost two decades now. Yeah, they are just not as able to. I mean, at least not I, from a longevity standpoint. But I think they deep. were. I think they were revolutionary at earlier points in their career. But I think they have helped evolve the game in a way that they can still do 
a lot of what it is. That I mean, just two years ago, Steph Curry was 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 a leading scorer in the league. Final the year after that, he wins in fi- the, the No, remember the year oh, yeah, he came year back before. from injury exactly. when they lost in the play-in game yes. to the Lakers. He was the league's leading scorer. The season after that. He won an NBA championship. I mean, we don't have to look as far as who we have here, for now at least, who we have here. And Damian Lillard, where he's coming off a season where he was injured for a majority of the season. And then he came back this year, had a 70-point performance, had a 60-point performance, average buku number. So I don't think it's that the stars aren't as super. I think the underbelly has just risen. risen. And it's and it's so much better that the superstar things that these guys do, like I watched Dame in that 71-point game. And while it was a great game, he had to score 71 points for his team to beat the Houston Rockets, for crying out loud. Like it wasn't even like they was playing against a top team. Like it was a like the Rockets weren't out of the game. The Blazers led for majority of it because Dame went that berserk. But like the Rockets had a chance to win in the fourth quarter, and Dame kind of had to go for 71 sure. in that game. But he's just he's that damn super. That. He was able to get it done, and he did get it done indeed. So I just think it's he's more had so. A lot of great performances yeah yeah he has had some well let's just make a hard pivot then before we even get into the chris paul jordan portrait let's go local okay well what about chris stop chris stops to boston that's exciting we'll talk about that later too let's just make a since we're talking about dame i don't want to come back to him because that's fine quite frankly we don't know if the blazers are going to come back to him and say that the 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 reason that i say that initially is because it's 432 which means the draft is beginning. I don't have it up on my phone right now. But I also haven't heard of a third pick Getting being traded, traded. At all. And I have not- yet to hear about a third pick being traded. <laughs> and you have to. Which gives me major concern about if Damian <laughs> Lillard is going to be in a Trailblazer uniform next year. I- and, and, and quite frankly... At this point, at 432, I haven't seen a report that he won't be a Portland Trailblazer next year, but I haven't seen a report that that third pick has gotten traded either, which makes me lean more into the guys out of here. That makes that's what I feel, too, because of the way that the trajectory of the reporting, man, you got to take a lot of that stuff with a grain of salt in terms of smokescreen. But there is a point where that smoke rises and things start to look more clear. And it started when Portland, you know, the they just started dropping. Like, Chris Haynes was like, obviously, Dane wants to stay. Yeah. And then the next day, he was like, yeah, I mean, he really wants this front office to to get it done. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I mean, yeah, I, mean, I, thought, we, I thought we knew that. Yeah. And then it's like, Portland is talking about, you know, who they going to pick for number three. And yes. everyone's like, wait a second. Yeah. I thought we were trading that pick. In fact... I was in studio, you know, with you and and D Boy. Shout out to D Boy on Rip City Radio with yeah, Chad we're on doing. Yeah, Chad doing so. And yep. and Chad asked you point blank, "What should you do with the pick?" Yeah. And then you said, "Trade that shit right now, immediately, immediately." And I nodded with, in agreement without hesitation. And and I knew that when we walked out of that studio by the end of that night, when it wasn't traded, I felt in my heart, I was like, "Well, that is it." Yeah. Because that pick is only valuable in theory. Yes. Once it becomes the player, it's not valuable anymore. It's yeah. a rookie who's never played in the NBA. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, for sure. So it's just really it's 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 a bummer because 
And I, I'm not trying to talk any mess because I'm going to give it time. Look, because I'm going to tell you something, Devon. I'm going to tell you something, man. The only middle ground that you could have found to uh, from either imploding everything that the Damian Lillard era is and rebuilding with pieces, by the way, that are very good looking down the road. Shaden Sharp, Anthony Simons, a lot of good pieces there, a lot of good trade value pieces too. Zion Williamson is the only middle ground because that's a guy that you can still bank on to be a cornerstone piece with youth dominance. The whole, you know, the story. Yes. Anything outside of that was never going to be enough for Dame because all of the options on the table, like the best, the second best option that was floated out there, which right away I knew was, was Paul George. Yeah. Come on. What are we talking about here? Like, it's just the moves, and I said I wasn't going to say anything bad, but I just think that, you know, Joe Cronin being the GM, it's, I, I'm not necessarily anything against him, but it's like the guy got flung into an interim position yeah. after a dude who was there for almost a decade. Neil O'Shea was there for like a decade. Like, yeah, he was there he's for a, a while. And, and he was a Clippers guy before that. So this is a man that has, you know, relationships with people in the league. For sure. And then in comes Joe Cronin with zero relationships. How do you expect that man's going to do on the phone? I mean, let's yeah. be real. Yeah, yeah. And so – and so if I was going to be the pragmatic Blazer fan, I'd say, well, then, yeah, you should probably bounce Dame out of there and get the biggest haul that you've ever had in yeah. your natural-born life. Yeah. And it's just, bro, you uh, you know. And screw- then, and then to, to, to your point, though, about Cronin, it allows Cronin to, to begin to really his own legacy. Br- exactly. That's be, a good way Because to right now, he does, he does not. He He's does still, not because he's still under Dame. Dame is the person who kind of makes the decisions around here, even if that means him leaving. Yeah. <laughs> I think Dame makes that decision as well. And obviously, Dame is going to say that is going to be predicated on who Cronin can bring in. But at the same time, Cronin has got to consider his own legacy here. And if he True. can't make Dame happy, now how is his legacy going to look going forward because it's currently attached to an entity that is as massive as Damian Lillard is. So it's like, where do you go here if you're croning? You probably want to say, you know what? Let me create my Mm -hmm. own legacy and not have it be hinged to Dame in a a situation that has been hard to pull off this guy's entire career. So why would I bank on my ability to be able to get the job done if it has not been able to get done yet? Dame's proven. He's proven. We're not talking about all-star snub Damian Lillard anymore. We're not talking about rookie of the year Damian Lillard anymore. We're talking about top 75 all-time Damian Lillard now. And the Blazers have still yet to be able to give him the support that he's been asking for for years. Why would you expect that Cronin is going to all of a sudden be the one to save the day? If he does, salute. But to me... That seems like a bit of a taller task for him than maybe just saying, you know what, it's that time for us to part ways with Dame. And Dame, we're only doing it under particular circumstance that Dame would circumstances that Dame would want. I think that's a key as well. I don't think he's just throwing him anywhere. I think he's gonna send if if he does send Dame he anywhere, to go to a he's gonna send him to a contender or somewhere that Damian Lillard wants to be. Yeah. And we've heard a city that he wants to be in already. And the reality is, yeah, he's come out and like 
said that, yeah, I want to be in Portland, but you said what you said to. We know that Miami's a market that the man would be willing to go to. It's a beautiful city out here. <laughs> and could you blame him no, when he's been in Portland and, for as long as he's been? Just like, Again, I don't know nothing, but sucks. I'm just saying what I'm and, saying and makes sense to me and maybe to you too as you listen. I'm going to tell you straight up. If Dame goes to Miami, bring your homeboy Nurk with him because if I'm rebuilding this Portland team, I'm high-flying, I'm young, running, gunning. I got to get Nurk out of there. So that that's my own little – that's on my wish list. But I, it's probably not going to happen, but – Look, the guy's going to still go down as the greatest blazer of all time. Yes. He's stuck with it in a very – for much longer than he probably reasonably should have. Yeah, agreed. As a basketball fan, I think it makes all the sense in the world from a schematic standpoint to go pair that man up with Jimmy Butler and go have Coach Spo. Shout out to Coach Spo, Jesuit High Zone, Portland State. UP, 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 yep. pilot. Yeah, Eric Spolstra, come on, man. Hold it down. I'm still going to feel some sort of sentimental connection to that team. No problem whatsoever. I definitely think that they can win the East in that sense. And I'd like to see a rebuild. Shifting my attention now to the draft is what's actually happening. Yeah. If we take anything less than Scoot or Brandon Miller, regardless of what else is on the board, I think that that is going to be the beginning. That's not going to happen. Well, I mean, there was reports saying unless they trade the pick. No, I mean they're saying happen. that they, that this kid Ahmed Thompson. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen. I think they they're picking up Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller. Scoop. I think uh, it's yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. Brandon Miller. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, it, I, I think Charlotte I, it's, is it's up and down. Scoop. You think Charlotte's Charlotte, taking scoop? Why wouldn't they, bro? Yeah. Yeah. Charlotte. Yeah. I, I, they either not, way, I agree with you. Take good. one of those two. They may not be good, but I don't think they're stupid, bro. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Well, yeah, man. I, I just think you know, for for all of the logical reasons that we laid out, there is a very good chance. I don't know anything for fact, but there is a very good chance that. We have seen the last, the last of Damian Lillard in the Portland I, I, Trailblazer uniform. Yeah. And and uh, again, I laid out a bunch of logical reasons. We laid out a bunch of logical reasons. I don't know anything for fact, but I wouldn't say that my guess is uneducated either. Well, I'm going to say this, man. It's like regardless of what we know, because I'm, I'm operating off of solely just heart and feel right now. And yeah. like, in my city, man, that is the feel out here is everybody is very down on their luck right now and feeling pretty hopeless. And I'm like, well, even if everything turns out okay in the end, I don't think that it's going to sit well with the in, in the hearts of the Portland fan base going forward, regardless of how it shakes out, because it's like you had the third pick. Yeah. And you have legit young people. You, you can't get that done. You ha- I mean, come on. On. I hear you. I hear you. Well, well, again, you being a Portland native, you operate off of the all the heart and the feel that you want to operate <laughs> off of. I knew you were going to say I said again, and that. I will say it again. I will repeat. <laughs> I don't know anything for fact. So I'm guessing here is what I'm getting at. But guessing. I don't think that my guess is uneducated. Take as you will with that. Another trade that we've seen in the NBA is um, uh, Jordan, uh, Jordan Poole Poole. now going to the Washington Wizards. And uh, Steph Curry, I mean, I said Steph Curry. Chris Paul, excuse me. I think about the Warriors. He's I think Steph Curry. But Chris Paul is coming to play alongside Steph Curry <laughs> for the Golden State Warriors. I saw a potential. St- I mean, yeah, crazy. And and Jordan Poole going to play with Chris Dobbs. I think, honestly, like, Wizards are going to be fun to watch. 
Golden State, I don't, really don't know what they're doing. I mean, obviously, they need a backup uh, point guard, and pff, they got that covered now. <laughs> but I just think that they have a lot of other issues. But it's it's a cool trade. Steph and Chris Paul. Chris Paul could very <laughs> Chris Paul could very well retire a Golden State Warrior. I mean, that's on the table yeah. right now. How funny is that? <laughs> it dude? really is. That is hella funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, and that's been a clash for years. I mean, that's just hilarious. And, and, and the reality is, to give Chris Paul some credit here, like the reality is when it came to being a point guard. This was Chris Paul's league for a while. And Steph Curry legitimately like snatched that away. Yeah, point yeah, guy. He yeah, was the yeah. point. He like, was. there was about a decade where it Shit. was like Chris Paul's league from that position. I'm only speaking for to sure. that position. I'm not speaking to the league overall. But at that position, for a long time, this was Chris Paul's league. When you consider, you know, the crazy numbers he used to put up when he was on the Hornets. When you consider Lob City. Who was doing the lobbing? It was Chris Paul. Um, you know, you consider, you know, at, at one point in time it was kind of back and forth Chris Paul and Darren Williams and then Darren Williams kind of faded away and it was just Chris Paul by himself for a little while and then came a guy named Steph Curry who in the beginning Chris Paul was beating Steph Curry still so you couldn't particularly say that Steph was better than Chris Paul yet even if you started to see things transitioning away from Chris Paul being better than Steph Curry and that Steph was becoming better. But once Steph started winning MVPs and starting winning titles, it was no longer Chris Paul's league at that position. It then became Steph Curry's league as a point guard in particular. Um, but I don't think the deal is as bad as I'm seeing a lot of Warrior fans, especially making it out to be, especially with the way that these fans reacted to the way Jordan Poole played in the postseason this year. And I think you could clearly see, based on what happened on the floor, that the Warriors sticking with their big three and keeping Jordan Poole just was not going to work. It just wasn't going to work. So now the I Warriors... Mean, even from a... Especially from a contractual standpoint. And, 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 and guess what? I'm not blaming Jordan Poole for that. A lot of that blame, I would say, goes to the incident that he was a part of. I'm not necessarily letting him off the hook here, but I'm also not saying that because I don't know what the pretext was to him getting fired on the way that he did to Draymond Green. I mean, blame is I'm shit, not letting anything. Him, I'm not, you know what I mean? I'm not letting him off the hook for that because I don't know what the pretext was. But yeah. I also know that what we saw on that leaked tape that was never supposed to get out very well can ruin any relationship. And, and a relationship could could never be the same hey. for folks hey, after bro. that. Hey, <laughs> and that's just got, operating off of what I know. Got, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, like You're right, dude. He, they definitely Mariah Mills them pretty hard on oh that. My <laughs> <God>. <laughs> oh, my God. But, yeah, so uh, uh, away from her, because I don't, don't get me started on her. I might get canceled if I get started on her. But with that being said, um, yeah, no, I, I'm a guy that's going to flat out say I don't think the trade's that bad. I don't think that there isn't something else that's about to happen as well. Obviously, you get Jordan Poole off the books. You bring in Chris Paul. At worst, you got Chris Paul as a backup point guard. Is that really that bad? No, it's great. Like, <laughs> they have now the best point now guard position in the league. Absolutely. So good for you. you now are in position Tons to where more issues, you now are in the position to where you can re-sign Draymond Green. That's not that bad. And you're in position where you're able to make other moves and do more things as well that I just have no idea what those I, things are going to be. If Draymond Green punches Chris Paul, that will be the greatest day in NBA history. That's what we need. That's the tape we need. 
Uh, <laughs> I'm just playing. He, he might just get, yeah, good luck. Chris Paul, little pit bull, man. He might do something dirty. <laughs> might. He might. He, he might. might do something dirty. But, yeah, so the that's where I stand on it, man. I, I just think that, you know, um, you know. Well, I think it's – look, I think it's just fun to see, like, all these cool tri- – like, it's fun, man. This is the this is what has made the NBA and basketball a year round sport. Is yeah, it's all the all the off season straight up all the all the shenanigans. shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, all the off season shenanigans. We might call this we might call the podcast that today the off season shenanigans because it's a hey, it's but, it's some shenanigans. Yeah, it's some right shenanigans now. going on right now, and the shenanigans are going to continue. And again, I don't think Portland is exempt from those shenanigans either. Um, so I said what I said, and I'll say it again. Um, I don't know for fact, Impose, but submersible. I, I, I am bro. guessing, but I bro. don't think that my guess is uneducated. Submersible, but again, um, yeah. Or I could call the episode that the educated guess. <laughs> <laughs> I could be wrong. Educated guesses have been wrong before in the past, but I, I would say that my guess is educated, nonetheless. Um, but yeah, man, no, I, the offseason shenanigans, man, is going to be crazy. I'm looking forward to. I mean, we're just talk, we're just at draft day. We still got free agency that begins next week. You know what I'm saying? Right now, it's just who's going to get drafted where and who's going to get traded where. But watch when we start to see who's going to sign where for what amount of money and all of these things right. that's coming. And right. then you obviously got the summer league and you got the WNBA. Okay. And you got the WNBA. Jewel Lloyd almost had 40. And you got the WNBA. Jewel Lloyd almost had 40 the other day, and there's already been three 40-point performances in the W Talk so far. about it. Let's and give that, them their love because y'all that, thought we was just going to talk about is, the NBA and, that and forget is, that the WNBA is happening. That's keeping basketball alive year-round, so, too. Go for it. So that is tied for the most 40-point games in the history of the WNBA. Like I said, Jewel Lloyd, who is – so sick killer she's a killer she's a killer i love i it sucks for that team because it's like damn they're they're some years away but damn they're gonna be good but this is my question to you because she got that 39 points who is going to be because one more and that's the most all time in the in the history of the uh, in a season and we're not even halfway yes who's gonna get that next 40 point game in the league in in the dub yeah I I I must say I'm pretty sure it's Sabrina. I was about to say Sabrina. I think she already or has Brianna. One. I think Elena Brianna has one ha- too. Who's yeah? Who all has one? Do you uh, find out who all has one? Let me find I, out. Say, I know Sabrina. I, I know she had Sabrina. a high 30s game already. Yeah, I, I, I remember her having a high 30s game. But go ahead and find that list. I will. I will. But but yeah. With that said, nah, man. Basketball year round, baby. It's why it's the best sport in the world, man. And I didn't even announce this in win shares, but at least for Portland State, I personally have Pacific's uh, conference basketball record. I mean, uh, schedule. Excuse me. Really, I got the whole basketball schedule for Pacific. But if you want to check out Portland State's conference basketball schedule just the conference basketball schedule um the big sky released the conference basketball schedule man you can go check it out portland state has posted it on um their their websites their social medias all that so go ahead and start checking that schedule okay. out and, and, and pick a date off the calendar now you go erica ogumbawale has 40 mm-hmm. dewana bonner Mm-hmm. And you were right, Brianna Stewart. Brianna Stewart. So yeah, I, yeah, I yeah. so so Sabrina. So Sabrina is is, is who is, is the first that came to Alana mind. Alana Delagon's having a pretty nice season too, but that's who I think too. Sabrina, she has been, man, God, dude. You know what's so crazy? 
some of the best shoot, like the best shooters in the world outside of like Steph and Dame are in the WNBA and in high school women's basketball and yeah. college women's basketball. Be on the lookout. Like I said, this 40-point game situation, you're about to see some absolute barn burners in the WNBA. So, yeah, I, I'm, tuned in, I'm tuned in as much as I can be. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm wringing my socks out in between quarters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I heard that. <laughs> um, Let's see here. Killer Mike's album. I came on last week and proclaimed that I was predicting that it would be the album of the year, and that's even including the albums I ain't heard yet. Um. Bold I don't, statement. I don't think I don't I, I don't think he was a disappointment when it came to that take at all. Nah, I mean he has a magnet. He's just he's just at the top of his game rap wise. Yes. Like he had that track that you blessed me and showed me uh the scientists, scientists and engineers, and engineers yeah, yeah, yeah. with Andre 3000 and Future, who yes. are like probably two of the top 20 greatest rappers of all time, right there. Yeah, for sure. And, absolutely. And Killer Mike just absolutely Destroy them on that track. He lyrical miracle they ass down. down. <laughs> and every single song is just him gassing to the umpteenth degree. Yeah. But, but. Talk to me. He just, we, we were talking about it earlier, man, that like the, the genre yeah. blending. Oh, <laughs> See, look you're it. about to speak my language. Because listen, I told you, I said, I, we were looking at the feature list and I was like, all right, well, you know, I don't see a lot of rappers on there. It was a lot of it was a lot of R and B people, you know, or like you would yes. say, right? Are they is is Blast really an R and B like musician? It's it's hard because they're in that space, but yeah, I personally don't think that. But see that, that you wanted them people though. You wanted them people out. You, you see what you did there? Shit. Did you just no no? no. Right. Did you see? I just caught you. Okay, you see what you did there? That I, I hear you though. I'm not like. Shitting on you by any means, but I'm just saying I, just I get that a land, lot. I get that a lot. And it didn't land on that musical level that I was like. Now, it's. I'm not saying that the it wasn't good musically because it's grand production. Yes. There's tons of great sampling. There's beautiful like stringed arrangements and and so, the melodies. Uh, that song "Run" with Young Thug yeah, is yeah, my yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I play that song every day. But just the features, like. I don't think that the features that were on there brought the high level musicality that I think future. I think that scientists and engineers was still yes. The, best the production is crazy. The, yeah, that's the single off that. But that's record. where I that's where I was at. But in terms of rap, I don't think there's anybody that can really come with that kind of like. Yeah, you know I'm saying his music is just deep, like he, because he just has so much to say. You know what I'm saying? His his POV is crazy, like. The dude is sitting down with like senators and, and government officials you and like know, and, and, you know and, what I'm saying? He's directing policy. Like for sure. his rap is and that's why I thought it's like, you know, you can and you can see that. Like when you have Dave Chappelle like doing intros for you, it's like clearly where you're like the direction that your music is heading is not is going in a particular place. Yeah. That 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 becomes not music at the end of the day. See, I, I I love what you're saying right now because I I do agree to I do agree with you in a lot of ways. And this is as somebody, for one, yes, Killer Mike is. Let me just start off by saying Killer Mike is somebody I look up to. 
Um, you obviously spoke to the 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 political side of Killer Mike, but I love the range of Killer Mike as a human. And I think people sometimes lose that because he's as powerful of an activist as he is. But Killer Mike's got range. And I think the, the best place you can hear that, you can definitely hear that in the music <laughs> with the, the range of topics that he's willing to discuss in records. But I also think you can definitely hear that in his interviews. I've been listening to his interviews, heard him on the Joe Budden podcast, heard him on Breakfast Club, and you can hear just the range where, you know, he can speak to, you know, the the more activists and the more serious topics and that side of things. But he can also speak to, man, my my motivation for the album, some nights is just getting up and going to blue flame. You know what I'm saying? Like he's right. got he's got range in that way where as great and as astute and as brilliant of a brother as he as he is, he doesn't take himself too serious. And I love that about Killer Mike. And so he has the comedic bars as well on top of the brilliant bars that he has because consciously he's just on a whole nother level. I, so I adore that about Killer Mike. So I, I'm a huge fan of Killer Mike. I will say this, though. While I think Killer Mike is is very consistent when it comes to being a lyrical miracle guy and land down insane verses and I think he accomplished that on this project. I do agree with you though that musically I like him a little bit more with LP and the run the jewels thing now granted we obviously have had run the jewels for years i mean is it because it's more experimental like it's yeah well but yeah but i think that has to do with lp in particular and lp's production and so i think in this a little bit more daring he went more solo you know what i'm saying whereas like lp is going to push the music in a way that nobody can because of lp's ability to produce Killer Mike, again, is consistent in what Killer Mike does. He's going to lay a, a crazy-ass verse. He's going to bar you up. And, and he's talked about that in the interviews, too. Like, I've gotten on records with the best of the best, and I've chewed. And he feels like now is his time to where he can actually start to get the recognition for that with this solo project. And I agree with him wholeheartedly on that. But I also think musically and sonically, LP's production takes Killer Mike's verses to a particular place that I don't think sonically most of the records on Michael could. It started to get a little more redundant to me. Um, But the verses were crazy. The scientists and engineers record is crazy. But again, look at the vibe checks you have on that. You got Andre 3000 and Future and a, a, a lyrical assassin and Killer Mike. Like, you can create something like that. And from what I've also heard in the interviews, I adore that song. I think that is the song that pushed things more sonically for Killer Mike than most of the other records on the project. But that was Andre 3000's record. Andre 3000 went and got in the studio with Killer Mike, heard some shit, and said, you know what, Killer? I'm going to bring something back to you. So for me, he put that he put that voodoo. He on put it. that voodoo. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? He put that 
flute playing voodoo. You know what I'm saying? So for me, if I did have a criticism of the album, it's not that the records aren't dope. It's not that Killer Mike isn't dope. But sonically, it the experience the experience for me sonically, the climax was that scientist and engineers record. And I think the rest of majority of the rest of the project got pretty redundant. Well, to me. okay. Well, in and, fairness, in fairness, he does cover a lot of personal really personal stuff i agree on that so i think yeah he was vulnerable i i have and no, I, and I, I have always, no i have no criticisms wait, wait, of what he sure. of the verses of the no, bars no, no. of what he said i i got to say though I, as a, as a musician i give a pass a lot of the ways to what's ha- what happens musically when you're trying to impart like when he's talking about his dead mother and grandmother yeah like bro whatever that sounds like to you for you to get that out i'm not going to i'm not going to be the one to judge that Absolutely. musical expression I, I, you know i'm not I'm and, and i'm not and and to so be and to be fair to killer mike and and i i'm glad you give him Although that benefit I am of the very doubt. critical over music generally I, yeah and, and the thing is is to be fair to killer mike like i said at the beginning i think the verses the bars the contents was some of the best that I've ever heard from Killer Mike, and yep. that's high praise For because sure. he's very consistent His catalog is at, deep. At, 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 at just shooting out elite bars and elite verses. But I am also gotten accustomed to listening to Killer Mike over majority LP production. Mm. So when you have a guy like LP that knows Killer Mike in, in, in such a unique way, but also explores in a different way just because of his own sauce. I compare some of this music to some of that Run the Jewels music. And for me, I tend to lean more towards the Run the Jewels music, but that's not a knock against Mike. That's praise to his partner LP and the fact that together they make one of the greatest rap duos that we've ever heard in the history of rap. It's praise all around. You know what I'm saying? But but if I had to nitpick and just get into how I feel about the album as a DJ and as somebody who adores Killer Mike and looks up to Killer Mike, I couldn't help but to almost compare Michael sonically to run the jewel sonically. And while I think Michael may have had better verses from top to bottom on the project than maybe some of the run the jewels projects did sonically, I'm still a little bit more of a run the jewels guy. You know what I'm saying? And that's no knock because Killer Mike is a, he plays a pivotal role in all of that, his solo album and that group. Cause I don't think LP LP's production is what it is with the, they're a match made in heaven. You well, know what I'm well, saying? Well, I'm a white guy, so you know I love Run the Jewels. I yeah. can't stop talking about it. I can't get enough Run the Jewels. <laughs> they're match made in my opinion. I just think they're match made. So shout out to Killer Mike, man. Again, I think this I still think that this is gonna be the best rap album of the year, unless and, and, and it's not all because I think Killer Mike is so great, which I obviously do, and I've expressed that. But some of it also is because right now. The women are killing, killing the rap game. They, they, they're, they're, they're ripping themselves out of plastic, and they are <laughs> acting, acting brand, brand new. new. <laughs> and quite frankly, we've already seen the recent reports that this is the first time that um, we haven't had a number one rap song this year. And I think a lot of that has to do with, for one, last year, we had a lot of major players release albums. 
I mean, you go from Future to Drake in 21 to Kendrick to like a lot of our major players in rap released albums last year, which is what I also think clears some space for Killer Mike to have the rap album of the year this year as well. But now this year, all the women are just dropping the, the really, and it's singles more so. They are dropping the hottest singles in rap right now. And it just is what it is. Shout out to them. You know what I'm saying? So I think with, with the elite bars of Killer Mike, but also with just the trajectory of the way this year could go based on what's happened so far and based on what happened last year as well, I could easily see a world where this is going to be the best hip-hop album that we get this year. And I damn sure wouldn't be disappointed in that because it's a good album it's a really good yeah, album it's good it has a lot of good re-listen value absolutely absolutely well you got anything else man we we talk music we talk basketball we talk wind shares all right man well let's close it out <sighs> close go ahead say what you gotta say you, just, you took a breath like you got i just one last I, sentiment hey, man. Hey, on man. your heart i just Does want, it got anything to do I, with dane I, I, i'll just tell you like this <laughs> are, are, i've been you, a blazer fan my entire you know, life. And uh, I'll see you guys next season rocking just like I always do. Man, I've seen I've seen some garbage teams. You're a Dubs fan, and a lot of people, you know, they, it, it, there's there's two different types of Golden State Warriors fans. There's Oracle and there's Chase fans. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you're an Oracle Dubs fan, so you really have the knowledge of, like, it's it's hard to, to be in purgatory as a team. But as a message to Blazer fans out there, man, it gets better. <laughs> it gets better, With man. Time like wine. It gets well, let's, better. Before we get out of here, man, the draft started, what, 30 minutes ago? Something What's happened so far? Uh, Malika Andrews is kind of getting flamed right now because huh? everyone's mad that she brought up the, the, the Brandon Miller situation during the draft uh, when he's walking up. Well, good on her. Not, like, good that that's happening to her, but... Malika Andrews is it's a woman that we're talking about here and uh and and I'm not saying that in a negative way but she she's got the she's got it she's, she's got you know what I mean she uh, which women do women jump out front on a lot of that a lot of those topics oftentimes we talk about the WNBA all the time and them being willing I, and having the courage to jump out front on a lot of that in a lot of ways that Many of us don't. We just aren't as courageous as they are in that regard, quite frankly. It's, so good it, on her for having the courage to do what she did. It's really easy for for men to be like, you know, critical of something that a woman says in terms of like their unique perspective on a particular situation and, and try to make it, you know, try to deflect what it it's about to be like, well, it's this guy's big night, you know, like you can't bring this stuff up. It's in the past, but there's all va all valid reasons. But a lot of the times, regardless of how valid your reasoning thinks it is, it really just reads like you're just trying to get her to stop talking. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's For important sure. to be con conscious of that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, she has a perspective that you know dudes just don't, and and it needs to be vocalized. So. You're right. Good on her. Do the reporting. She's a reporter. She's a reporter. Yes, <laughs> She's going to she report is. on stuff that's been reported. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. That's what Anyhow, she is. Anyhow, Brandon Miller, boy. Well, yeah, the draft to start is, is – I, I said 4.30. I think that was the pre-draft show. He's good. The, he's the good. draft starts – it is 5.05 Pacific time, and the draft him. started at 8 p.m. Eastern time, which means 5 o'clock Pacific time, and we're five minutes after that right now. So the draft's getting ready to start is basically where we're at. Y'all go ahead and – 
Enjoy the draft, even though the draft, I mean, you know, the, the big day of the draft will be over with by the time you hear this episode Friday morning. But we'll be back next week. And believe you me, we'll have something to say. We'll something. On that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win.